This is the Big Branding Small Business Podcast with brand strategist and designer, as well as your host, Jeremy Allen. He helps small businesses with a big branding approach. Welcome to this week's episode of Big Branding Small Business. And to keep up to date with all the episodes that are released, then hit that subscribe button. And if you've already hit that subscribe button, then thank you. Today, we have a special guest with us. Dr. Tad Dickel. He is a renowned strategy, leadership, and organizational development consultant. With a background in education and extensive experience, Tad's expertise lies in strategic planning, leadership coaching, and team building. He is also an author and a professor, teaching courses on strategic planning and leadership, and hosts his own podcast called Leadership and Strategy Podcast. I wanted to bring Tad on because a couple episodes ago, I discussed the idea of cult versus culture and what's the difference. Once you work with a strategist, either like myself or someone else, that you've got this nice brand book, you've got your mission, vision, values, your brand story, you've got the foundational brand pyramid. Now what? It's about implementation. And that's one thing that I am learning to do myself with a lot of my clients, especially with the barbecue restaurant I just mentioned a couple episodes ago. And now that I give them this, what do I do now? So, Tad, can you enlighten me and our audience to, once you have a great strategy, and I know you do uh, strategy with most of your clients first, and then help them pass the strategy and really work on the implementation side of that. Can you kind of give us a highlight of what that might look like? Sure, Jeremy. Thanks for uh, having me on. Uh, I've enjoyed listening to podcasts of yours in the past and uh, excited to have this conversation with you. I, I think a lot of times we put so much energy into the development of the plan that we often think that's the hard part. And in reality, the hard part is the execution. I, I've seen so many great plans really never come to fruition because there wasn't this intentional effort in terms of how you know the company or the leadership is going to roll out the plan, communicate it, implement it. And so one of the things that I try to do as I end the planning process is to really say, are we committed to doing what we said we're going to do? And I think that's an important question to answer and then I start uh, with them to figure out what is a cadence of accountability that will help either the business owner or the team really roll this out. What that often looks like is committing to say, here's who's responsible. Here are the timelines that we're going to operate. Here's how often we're going to review the plan. And this is how we're going to hold ourselves accountable. And if we can have those kind of conversations as we begin to roll out the plan, we're going to be much more successful in this effort. Man, I, I love all that. Now, I know a lot of times when dealing with various groups or organizations that you've got a lot of personalities in the room. One of the things that I was thinking about with my current client is that it's a family-run business, and the two leaders that are currently in place have strong personalities. And I know you said that you help them come come up with a plan, have check-ins, the rollout, if you will, uh, looks like. What is it that you can give us that kind of combats the idea of, well, I've just got two strong personalities. They're, 
they're they're going to be hard nuts to crack or they're going to be the hardest to get on board the leadership's going to be super difficult i'll even back this up and say that in most cases when running a strategy you can confirm this or deny this um the leadership is involved in that strategy session and 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 so but even though having them heavily involved in it, I know there's a plan and everything like that, but what's the account accountability look like? Is it internal accountability or do you actually hold them accountable as well? I've done different approaches. Um, for example, I worked with a bank a few years ago and for them, they had never had a very formal strategic plan. And so they asked me to meet with them quarterly and they would provide updates and I would facilitate the meeting and everybody would report on the area of the plan that they were responsible for. And I think that helped them to have sort of an outside person come in and have these conversations and, you know, monitor progress. I've also done this with, um, you know, a restaurant that I've worked with that has multiple locations. One of the things they focused on uh, recently was looking at how they could cut food costs. And so that was part of their strategic plan, as you're aware over the last couple of years, we've seen a dramatic increase in terms of food costs. And so what they did was we set up a structure similar to uh, the structure that's in the book, Four Disciplines of Execution. And uh, with that process, what they talk about is having a weekly WIG session, which so you, you've developed wildly important goals, WIG, and you have a meeting that reviews you know, what is the outcome that we're trying to achieve? And for them, it was, they set a specific amount they wanted to reduce uh, food costs by percentage. And then they talked about the commitments they made the week before. And they said, you know, here is what, you know, our uh, ordering people are going to do. Here's what the people actually working in the restaurants are going to do. Here are things we're going to do to make sure we don't, we're not throwing away food. And so there are multiple strategies each week that were discussed that, so that team discussed what they had committed the week before, and then they discussed what they were committing to do in the coming week. And then they meet and they did this every week. And it's just a 15 minute meeting that allows them to really drive accountability. They also look at, okay, over the last month, we have reduced food costs by this percentage, but we need to be at this percentage. And so I think that process helps them see like the scoreboard in terms of are they winning? Are they moving in the right direction? You know, because that's the ultimate outcome. They want to see that the that, that food costs decrease. But then also they want to know, are we holding ourselves accountable for the commitments? And and frankly, in these types of situations, if you can get like the CEO or the leadership of the team to say, to call people out and say, hey, you committed to doing this last week, you haven't done it, you know, what's going on? Sometimes there are good reasons for it. But, you know, after most people, if they know they're going to have to report out on in terms of their progress on a weekly basis, they're going to be much more likely to follow through because they said it out loud. They told the whole team. The team's depending on them to accomplish this, and then they have to tell them whether they did it or not. Uh, it, it comes back to sometimes, Jeremy, when you when you talk, you mentioned that I wrote a book. Well, there were several years where I talked about writing a book, and then I said it out loud, 
And then finally, somebody called me out and said, when are you going to stop talking about it? And when are you actually going to write one? Yeah. And and so, so I think those types of processes can be really helpful where you develop a very disciplined approach and it doesn't have to be a really long meeting or anything, but it's a time people come together, they quickly review the progress they make commitments for the next week, and then they move on and go back to what they're doing. Because what what often gets in the way with a strategic plan implementation is that, or any kind of strategy implementation is that we get so wrapped up in the day-to-day responsibilities that we lose sight of those really large and important strategic commitments that we've made. And then three months go by, six months go by, a year goes by, and We've just operated in survival mode rather than really being strategic and really um, trying to move the needle forward in terms of what we're trying to accomplish from a big picture standpoint. Yeah, I love that. I love the wig analogy. I personally haven't heard that. I'm sure some of my audience members may have heard that. I also love the idea. For me, it speaks to like why I journal in some cases. Sometimes I forget. The day-to-day takes over. And that really seems true to businesses and how they operate. I often speak to uh, some of the franchise owners that are uh, purchase franchise from the company I work for in my day job. I speak of strategy. We talk of strategy. Some, some cases, strategy is just a buzzword. But the idea of having an intentional thing, an intentional metric, an intentional goal, um, you can call it whatever, but having that intentional check-in each week so that you can see that progress because oftentimes we get discouraged or we allow that day-to-day to take over when we don't actually see forward progress. And we are humans and we miss forward progress all the time, but having it down on paper, having that check-in and actually saying, wow, we're moving the needle 10% or 5% or whatever percent it is, but we're heading in the right direction. And that to me, I think, should and could energize any organization or company once they see that. Right, exactly. And that's that's a good point that I I didn't expand upon because what's what's really nice is that when you achieve success, you can say, "Hey, we've already, you know, maybe if you have a sales goal, hey, we've already increased sales by x percent since we started this. Let's keep moving in the right direction." That that really motivates people when they see progress. Another thing that I point out, and this is something that I do encourage leaders to do in terms of accountability, is a is a process that Marshall Goldsmith developed. Marshall talks about having six daily questions. He has six daily questions, and any of the listeners can go online and, and watch a video or there are multiple videos about how he does it. But he asks questions that are really important to him at the end of the day. And he actually pays somebody to call him at the end of every day and say, and uh, ask these questions. And then she keeps a l- little cell spreadsheet and gives him a rating in terms of how he's done in each of these areas. Nice. And it allows him to, to say, wow, I did a great job in this area. I need to double down on my efforts for this tomorrow. And you can do this with um, both professional and personal goals. I'll give you an example of how I use that with my business. I had a day job, like many people, started consulting on the side, had the goal of eventually doing this full-time. And one of the things that I did, especially when I started out full-time, because I was father of four, had a lot of 
financial commitments and people dependent on my success in business. And so I said, you know, how am I going to build a business? And the type of work I do, I don't need a lot of clients. I don't need hundreds of clients by any means. And so I said, you know, one of the things I'm going to do is every week, I'm going to reach out to three people and have a meaningful conversation with them. And that, I mean, that was something that I I, I would set out, you know, maybe on, on Friday of the week and say, who are some people that I want to talk to next week or in the coming weeks? Uh, how did I do this week in terms of having those conversations? Did I did I achieve my goal of three? Did I sometimes I would actually uh, exceed the goal that that would make me have a, a feeling of accomplishment. And then sometimes I'd say, "Wow, I really didn't do what I need to do. I need to make sure I make this more of a priority in the coming weeks." And so. That was a really good way of building my business. And for me, I was really fortunate in that it was a pretty quick uh, rollout in terms of working full-time and achieving a, a good income. And I think that that discipline really helped me you know, build my business and develop relationships and uh, talk to prospective clients. And, and sometimes there's even uh, past clients that you know, is checking in, how are things going? What kind of issues are you experiencing? What successes are you having? Is there anything I can do to support you? And, um, you know, just reaching out was, I think, really helpful. But it's that kind of discipline approach that we need to have when we implement a strategic plan. Yeah, I, I wholeheartedly agree. And I myself attempted the three, three a day. I think I tried 50 a week one time just to set a big, hairy, audacious goal. And just uh, just to give the audience a little bit of insight is that Tad and I are part of a uh, mastermind community called uh, Total Life Freedom, and the leader Vincent Puglisi he always always preaching this idea of reaching out and connecting with people. He even wrote a book called Wealth of Connection, which is a fantastic read, and it it is about having those human interactions on a daily basis. And the discipline uh, component of it is just a reward, in my opinion, and and almost kind of like doing this podcast is uh, a discipline for me. It's something that I needed to practice getting better at doing and being disciplined at something. So it kept um, it kept helping me improve um, that in my area of life. And but the power of connection, I I. I've seen so many tactics and strategies and things like that, but that one has won hands down and always rings true. I, you can slice it and dice it and call it whatever, but when you connect with people each and every day and create that discipline, then that can then bleed into other parts of your life. And so I love that idea of that as well. Now, one thing I wanted to kind of kind of pivot to is leaderships on board. Now you've got a set number of employees. I mean, some have been there 10 years, 15 years, five years, one year, two year, whatever the tenure may be for the employees. And uh, I know you've done larger employee groups um, to even smaller ones. But again, to the personality side of thing and the check-in, I, I think it's important to look at the individuals in some cases and those metrics and goals uh, sure, we got sales goals, but how is I'm in design or whatever department? How's the sales goal relate to me? How can you make me feel 
bought in and on board and become basically a brand advocate for this new strategy that this company I've been working for for years and help me feel like I am important as much as everybody else in the company. Sure. That's a that's a good question because I think that often we have these planning processes that come and especially in a larger organization that kind of come from the top down. It's beneficial if the, during the planning process we can figure out ways to meaningfully involve people from, you know, throughout the the company, different divisions, different layers of the company. You know, I always think like in a large company, it shouldn't just be the executive team that's making the plan. It's very possible that we need to look at our frontline workers and say, how how would this strategy impact you? Or we are trying to do this. How do we how do we cut costs? Uh, do you have any ideas? And so I think the more we can include people in the process and create an inclusive process, the better off we're going to be. Sometimes companies do that through like surveys and focus groups and interviews of employees, or they share drafts of plans and get feedback throughout. And then I think uh, an important piece is to say in leadership is to say, this is where we're going as a company or an organization, because I, I sometimes work with nonprofits or universities that aren't necessarily for-profit companies. And we say, this is where this is the vision. Everything we should do should really align to this. And I've even gone to work with some companies where we've said, here is our goal. And how do we all support this goal? Like, which what part do we play in this goal? And so, I, like, for example, I was working with a company recently that they are trying to figure out, based on their investors, how to grow roughly double in within a fairly short period of time. And so we had a conversation with the divisional heads, everybody uh, within that uh, company's division head, and said, like, how can you support this growth? You know, it might be new products and services. It might be um, cost savings measures. It might be, um, you know, consolidating operations. So everybody was looking at that from an HR perspective, for example, they're saying like, okay, if we're going to have this kind of growth, we need to have a people strategy. How do we hire people to yes. fit this? Uh, marketing said, how do we support this and basically raise awareness of our company's products and services out there? Or which markets do we need to tap into? So it was a very comprehensive way of looking at growth and figuring out and saying, it is our vision to grow and everybody needs to play a role and align with that vision of growth. And so I think that's that can be one thing that you can do is figure out, okay, here are big, big goals. Sometimes we call them like big, hairy, audacious goals, or we call them wigs, wildly important goals. But maybe even asking that question, like everybody on your leadership team, what is your role in terms of supporting that? Or what's each division's role supporting that? Really being intentional. So it's not just like, well, that's um, that's the sales team's responsibility. But really, most of the time, we create these really important goals for our company. Everybody should align with it. Just like what you're talking about with branding strategy is you say, like, how does everybody in the organization align with this branding strategy? 
And there may be some that it feels like kind of a stretch, you know, your payroll processor. But in some ways, like they may have to be, uh, for example, making sure everything within payroll aligns with the branding guidelines or, you know, that it's not just their own idea in terms yeah. of logos and things like that. So I think it's having a sometimes setting the big strategy and then letting other people then come in and say, hey, this is how we can align with this. Yeah, no, that's that's awesome. So just to kind of uh, recap a little bit, leadership has to be involved heavily, st stakeholders, strategic leadership, but it's not purely a top-down approach in every case, that we need to have some buy-in from people who are the boots on the ground or the people that are in, in it day after day. Uh, meeting customers, dealing with situations that pop up on uh, a split notice. And we also need to have check-ins and also some accountability and not reward per se, but just some type of gratification metric that we are all marching to the same beat of the drum and that we are all doing what we've set forth to do and accomplishing whatever the goal that the strategy had set in place. Also, to kind of recap what you just said about the brand strategy, I know I focus mainly on the visual side of things, but with what I offer a lot of my clients, the mission, the vision, the values, uh, the guiding principles, uh, as I sometimes call the values, one thing that I focus on um, in now hearing this, I've, I've got some other great ideas that you've given me. Uh, so thank you for that. But I, I like to, when I write the language, I like to use verbs because verbs cause action. And I want them to be memorable, uh, actionable and repeatable and memorable are my three main three focuses when working in any client. So could you possibly either add a little bit to that or have something to say about that? And then the bigger strategy as far as like cost saving measures and all these other things beyond the visual side of things and the missional side of things. Um, what are some uh, frameworks or processes that you just love that are tried and true uh, while we uh, wrap up this episode? Sure. I mean, I think some of my um, favorite books on strategy, you know, I mentioned the four disciplines of execution, I think is a really good one. You know, measure what matters is a, is another really good book. And they talk about the process like Google use to really kind of become a, a superpower in the uh, internet search field. And like what they talk about is, you know, we have these lag measures. So lag measures are, are things that it's going to take time to figure out uh, whether we achieved them um, and and we won't find out about them uh, or our success until after the fact. So uh, like in a business, that might be like your your quarterly income. So what what what's our net income at the end of the quarter? That's something we don't find out really about until we're the quarter's over. But then there are lead measures, which are things that we can do, and we know if that that should drive towards success of the lag measures. And those are things like we can say, hey, uh, one, of the one of the lead measures is every salesperson's gonna call X number of people a week. And so those are, those that, that can be a really good framework. And it's pretty simple for people to understand. One of the things we've seen too with st strategy is that we've, we've moved from probably a, a fairly slow process 
to a much quicker, more adaptable process in, in recent years. Like one of my favorite strategy articles still is from um, Jim Collins, Jerry Porras in uh, the Harvard Business Review called Building Your Company's Vision. And it's a it's a great um it's a great process, but what it talks about is like setting like you know 10 and 20 year goals. Well, that's really hard to even imagine yeah. what the world is going to be in 10 and 20 years. And so I think creating faster, uh, more adaptable plans and spending less time on like, okay, we need this huge, highly detailed plan is going to be more valuable for most organizations now. Because if we look at like the pandemic, most of us who had a strategic plan probably threw it out the window when COVID hit. And maybe some of the goals were still relevant, but the strategies definitely changed. Yeah. Um, so so I think really outline, outlining what, what do we want to accomplish is key. So what are our outcomes? What are How are we going to measure our success? And then the strategies really are going to, we can set some and, and they may be enduring for uh, a fairly long period of time, but most often we're going to have to evaluate new opportunities and we're going to have to adapt based on uh, a changing market. I mean, I think we all know that there are questions about uh, if inflation continues to increase or if there's a recession. Um you know, a lot of our plans will change uh, dramatically in a very short period of time. So I think it's what I would say is it's important to look out, you know, a few years. And at one point, you know, a lot of companies would make a 10-year plan or even a five-year plan. And I think it's probably down to more of like, let's create a three-year plan that mm -hmm. doesn't have a ton of detail. And then we create a one-year action plan that says, Here, here's what we're going to do this year. Yeah. At the end of the year, you you review what you did. Uh, you decide, you know, is is this plan for year two and three still relevant? Do we need to make any adjustments? But it's almost like instead of like this very detailed planning process, it's more like, you know, strategic thinking um, and, and constantly having awareness of the big picture. Yeah, I love that. You definitely have to be flexible. Um, I know when I deal with the visual side of things, it can be a little bit, you can stay with that idea for quite some time in a lot of cases, especially if it's done very well to begin with, i.e. Apple. And um, But as far as creating more business market uh, strategies, then yeah, you definitely have to keep an eye on it. You have to keep it flexible. Um, and even changing in culture sometimes, uh, you have to be able to adapt and uh, evaluate and reevaluate uh, on a yearly basis, just about. So, and and one other point I want to make, Jeremy, because you asked about like different areas of of um, strategy. Yeah, one of the things we often focus on in in leadership is on like a financial goal, and that's the only thing we measure our success yeah. by. But I think we really need to say. It's not just financial, but there has to be some other type of goal. So it might be a people goal. It might be a culture goal. Because at the end of the day, I think our workforce wants to know that what they do matters. That yes. it's not just like, hey, I helped make the shareholders rich. Right. Or I helped make the, you know, the owner, the, the executive team rich. But like what I did mattered. 
And exactly. I had a good experience while doing it. And I feel like I'm in part of a team that I like and I enjoy, you know, coming to work together. Now, at the end of the day, we do need to make money, but it's about so much more than that. And that if we can help people feel like the purpose, uh, there's the the company that they work for, the purpose is important, then I think they're going to be much more invested in what we try to do. Yeah, I wholeheartedly agree. And I'm glad you kind of summed it up with that. And we could probably do a whole episode just on that component alone. Uh, I know I could uh, speak a ton to that as far as where I work at uh, on my day job, where we just rolled out a, a brand refresh. And it's a huge cultural a shift in it. I've seen some great things come out of that. And then that's the underpinning is that people can be they're cared for and they feel cared for. Um, so I love all that. We're going to wrap up this episode. I thank you for coming on, Tad. Um, I'm proud to call you a friend and I love the knowledge that you brought to my audience uh, on this episode. And I definitely will have to have you back on and maybe we can dive deeper into just the employee side of things. That would be great. Thanks so much, Jeremy. I enjoy the conversation and uh, thanks for the good work you do and the value that you provide to your clients in the branding space. All right. Thank you. I appreciate that. Have All a right. Good thank you. You too. Bye. Again, thank you for joining me on this episode. I hope you've enjoyed it and tune in next week. And don't forget to hit that subscribe button to keep up with future episodes. And we will talk next week. Well, thank you for listening to Big Branding Small Business Podcast with brand strategist and designer, Jeremy Allen. He helps small business with big branding approach. And as you heard him say, his website is nobsbranding.com.